Welcome to Foundation of Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 2, Episode 8, The Last Empress. Uh, Aaron, what'd you think of this episode? Man, I really messed myself up because, as you'll recall, on the last podcast, I vowed as soon as we finished our business date, I was going to fly to my TV and watch the next episode. Which, because of our schedule, made it a two-week gap before I can watch the next episode that's going to end today. Mm. This is even the worst one to end because, like, I was just reeling. Like, they, they this, it, it, it was going into like what it felt like a Scooby Doo kind of direction with like Dusk and Rue going down into the tunnels with, uh, you know, uh, going uh-huh. into the Demerzel dungeon or whatever the hell it is. And I'm like, ah, and then it just, and Cleon the first comes out and starts. Uh, yeah, I and the, I mean, I don't know, just a, the whole telling bomb going to jack uh, Gail's bot. There's just a lot of stuff going on here. It's all terribly exciting, and it's like in the middle of it. I feel like this is a terrible episode to stop and be like, "What do you think?" Because like we're just in the middle of everything. <laughs> yeah, we don't have uh, all the information certainly that I want. It's another one of those episodes. It's just like click next, let's go. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I can't. I, it's for two weeks. I mean, it's uh-huh, a, a, yeah. a larger than average weight, uh, and uh, it's it's been excruciating. What? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did What did you think? Oh yeah, same here. I'm I'm desperate to see the next episode uh, because I want answers to you know who's the prison for those those kind of things. I they, they've done a great job of making Tellum a character I really hate. Every single episode I've seen with her has made her less and less sympathetic uh and more of a villain and i i think it's too late to walk that stuff back so that's apparently what they intended uh so good job there i really hate her uh but yeah this this cleon the first stuff that we're finally like starting to get to the dimmerzel stuff uh you know it's it's episode eight of a season it's about time to like really hit us with some revelations and it seems like they're they're warming that up. Yeah, I they're in this the way they're kind of like inverting some themes um, and layering and you know contrasting. Like for example, I was thinking of Tellum's big speech about how oh we feel all the suffering that we cause and that makes us do only what's required and. And it's like, I was thinking when, you know, she also was talking about how when she first jacked the little child's body, you know, pushed her mind aside, made room for herself, how that the little girl, she could hear her faintly for years, like she's down in a well. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like someone who's really opening themselves up to feeling someone else's suffering. Nope. And another way to describe a person who uh, opens themselves to all kinds of extreme suffering is desensitized like the first sure. time you know you're a soldier and you see someone's brains blown out in front of you well i imagine every single time it's shocking but like there's some people who just like push through and whatever are able to shove down whatever is you know core of their humanity and continue to do the job they have to do and i just kept on thinking about that it's like are you just full of shit like have you exposed yourself so now it's like you just uh like like you're desensitized to the people the suffering especially people like tell who's had several lifetimes 
to get calloused and desensitized towards suffering of, of sentient creatures. This, this mm-hmm. is an example of things I'm like, man, you go back and revisit some of the things that have been saying and how they've kind of been turned on their head. And yeah, as like I said, like I've been trying to see her as a Magneto figure. Um, and you still can. Like I said, it's like I she's come by all this uh, cruelty, honestly. But <laughs> um, But it's also, I feel like they maybe zigged that too, that like, she had a life of privilege although i guess it's not it was it, that was a shit life too yeah, anyway yeah, it's just it's torture in some way but mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of thinking a lot of thinking to do in an episode like this uh, yeah for sure in a season like this no it's it's exciting uh ha- I, I was apparently wrong i mean look my prediction was pretty tongue-in-cheek let's be honest but constant and hober how'd you how'd what? you enjoy that scene Oh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> constant is single-minded. Like the second that she yeah. has the, she is clinging on to her Haslan's pyramid of needs by a fingernail. She's mm-hmm. like, let's get it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's cute. I don't know what to make a Hobart being so intimidated by her. Like. Is he intimidated? I feel like he's he. The situation is just strange. Her her demeanor here is weird. He's probably never had a woman come at him like this, right? Really, I feel like this is thou. I feel like this is so many thousands of years in the future that surely some of those gender dynamics would have broken down by now. You got the Sadie Hawkins style of like just going and ex- expressing sexual interest in somebody. Yeah, but it's the transactional nature of it. Not, not 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 like they're trading something here, but her her just getting right into it and and the efficiency of it, right as they call it. <laughs> like it's very efficient. That is. That's the off-putting thing. That's the the thing that puts him on his back foot. Or there's something that's like just completely um there's unpretentious quality to it. You know, there is no like, like you said, it's a, that's not someone that a a person who's, I guess, what am I trying to say here? Uh, it's not something a person that's like putting passion first would say. It's like, Certainly well, not. I decided about stripping down naked or kissing, and I thought that the stripping down naked would be the most efficient. It's like I, there is something. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like very earnest and straightforward and almost industrious. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm about that uh yeah it was it, it's good it's good they like i said they have a lot of chemistry uh i thought that's uh it was I, my, my shipping heart is satisfied sure. gotcha i'm trying to think um but 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 yeah there's just uh so much stuff going on and we're we've got so much just in general of things that are going on that you know it's like we didn't really revisit bell just a little bit uh, mm-hmm. no new news on the spacer front. Like there's this, this show is now afford, uh, has can afford to like have balls that they toss up in the air and don't get back to for an episode or two because they got so many other fascinating things to do. Yeah. And this one might like crack the whole plan wide open again. You know, Harry finds mm-hmm. out maybe too much the vault Harry in this episode. I don't, I don't know how that's going to play out, but I'm excited but to dude, see it. Dude, that's, that's the fun thing. I, that's, I think that they've captured what I remember being one of the fun parts of the book is like, how in the hell can psycho history possibly account for this? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if they're going to eventually subvert it. Like, it gives, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, uh, I could see them eventually subverting that, uh, the complimenting it, supplementing it, addending it. Um, 
but it's just I, I don't I it's I, I just think it's really interesting to see the show kind of like grapple with those things. It's like, well, if this was the countermeasure that was supposed to be stealth, the unseen hand, you know, the the right hand that the left doesn't see, and now the left sees it, and it even has a thumb that can put on the scales. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many how many uh, how many inversions and flips and corkscrews did did the Harry account for, or did Cycle History account for? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that's part of what's so exciting about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, it turns out they did. It, it feels like, obviously, they didn't kill Salvor. feel like Harry, yeah. though, the physical copy of Harry, the, the flesh and blood, that, that body's dead. Seems like it, yeah. Although, there's nothing saying that Telen Bond couldn't have, this is all just still a mental image, and she's got Harry locked away in some kind of stasis prison for... I, I mean, we could sit down for the next four seasons and say that you know <laughs> that's, that, that way lies madness i, I, I guess don't know why that I would go she that, 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 that so i if i'm if some some fans of me this crazy theory i'd be like okay so why would tell him bond do that right and i can't sure. come up with a reason because in her mind the only reason she's trying to shield gail and salva from any of these realities is to make gal more pliable so she can jack her mind and her mm-hmm. body and once she does that she doesn't give a shit about what any of the, the either of the, the women think so yeah and and i would say why would she do that but there's this nagging feeling that of, of the thing they do in this episode where they're like they they kill you know quote unquote salvor at the end of last episode and then we find out only in this episode that you know sighted don't kill sighted and mm. I think you have to throw that out the fucking window by the end of the episode, but we'll talk about that. Um, but that, that's what I mean. Like they could come in with some reasoning why she wouldn't kill Harry later, but it feels to me like Harry's dead. And I also really like how just like, you know, there's possible things that Harry couldn't predict about the plan. Um, there's clearly things that tell him is relying on in terms of her, the absolute loyalty of her people that's already being tested because you know Salver and Gaylord is likable people and I think she's preached a certain way of living and doing and they're seeing how maybe that only applies to some of them and there's others that can mm-hmm. just are allowed to break the rules I'm, I'm sure a lot of them agree with it. like well tell them saved us all we need to keep telling them around sure. but the spoon kid uh, the kid that uh, was run around uh, masquerading as Hugo I do wonder about you, you know, if, if they're going to be, if there's going to be a fraction in the mentalics and, and who they support. Yeah, we'll see. I hope so, because, man, it's hard to support Tellum at the moment. Yeah. Got a fantastic feedback theory for the uh, at the end of the show, too, that I'm really excited. Uh, something that's kind of like... Um, I feel I was one of those things where I slapped my head when I read it, and I'm like, why didn't I think of that? So... <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, let's get into the recap. Let's do it. All things have a cycle. First the podcast, then the ad. Math is never just numbers, and this isn't just a podcast. We're back with more Foundation. 
we start off with Rue sneaking into Demerzel's chambers to snoop around. She is found by Brother Dusk, and she asks some questions about Demerzel's origin and purpose. Um, and then out by the mural, she asks about the robot wars. And all Dusk can think of whenever he tries to remember Demerzel's role in the Empire is this line, she will always be here as she has always been, or always has been. Uh, and Rue says, hey, Dominion can restore those memories if if you're having trouble accessing them. And Dust notices the chroma on the mural is, isn't moving the way it should, but he's called away in the moment for the execution of Polly and Constant. Yeah, what do you think of his uh, Howard Hughes wave of the future moment where he like tries to recall certain things and just uh, comes up with one little pithy phrase? I don't recognize that reference but uh you know like at the there's not the last scene of aviator where you think howard hughes is like beat his mental illness and then he's talking about something being the wave of the future and he's locked uh, in the wave of the future it's the way of the gotcha, future rather. gotcha yeah uh i i it's interesting to see dusk react to this line because it's i i think not the the it's not the conjuring of that line that puts him off. It's the repetition of that line, right? So if he were to think of Demerzel outside of the context of someone prodding him about Demerzel, the line would come up and he would move on and he wouldn't realize that his memories have been specifically perhaps altered. Uh, but when he's confronted with it over and over and all that he can come up with is this one line, he starts, it starts to sink in what's happened here. So, so that's my question. Are we supposed to notice this discrepancy between Rue's claimed experience of memory loss, where it's like you're not even aware that there's a hole there, versus this definitely feels like a uh, you know a cavity filled with cotton that he's aware of. Like he suddenly he didn't know it was there before, but now that he's mm-hmm. discovered it, it's like something he's very much noticing. Yeah, is there is there a discrepancy there? Is it more of just like I don't think there's a discrepancy. I think like I tried to explain it. It's it's something that in passing would just kind of roll off your brain, um, but when it's mm. specifically pointed to and say and you say what is this? Why can't you think of this? Then it becomes the cotton wad. What it's like if so if someone asked Rue back on her home planet, so like. Come on, just between us girls, what was the third position you and the emperor took? And she'd just be like. <laughs> I had a pleasant time at the at the Gossamer Court. I was like, is because like mm-hmm. I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not saying it is a possible contradiction. It's just on my my you know crazy red yarn theory board is like seeing that as like this is something that's slightly different than what we heard before. Also, Rue could be lying. Mm-hmm. It's entirely possible that like yeah, it's pretty obvious that you have missing memories, and she's just saying that's the old man because obviously they're trying to manipulate every level of the genetic dynasty so for sure and i think there are you know really good attempts at that here um when she's saying you know cloud dominion can restore those memories she's giving up a lot of information this is potentially fast huh she's going real fast oh yeah yeah she's and she for good reason right i mean she sees the moves that sarath is making and she's extremely worried because she thinks she's making mistakes. Um, and so she might be trying to back channel this whole thing a little bit quicker. Is that what that is? Because I was thinking that like there's a little hypocrisy to her like tone of caution because Could she's be. kind of Could herself be. throwing caution to the wind and it's like she's annoyed at herself as she's annoyed at Sarah. But um, 
That could be it. Or she could be propelled by Sarah's daring, I guess. Any ideas of where they're going with with the soul system? Like, they've now called, like, this is the third step of the Martin reveal, but, like, I still don't know. I mean, I assume it has to do with the robot wars and the origins of Dimmerzel, but we'll see, you know. But what is the importance of, or like, I, is the robot wars what destroyed the soul system, where humanity had to find a new home? Is, like, the final thing that killed the crate is, is it still out there? It's, I thought it's it was interesting that I they mean, actually drew attention to it, and then it's just almost like... Oh, and mm-hmm. when he said, I know that on the tool chest, those eight planets, I'm like, oh, he's going to start talking about the soul system. But no, it just took it back. It's the same one. It's on this fucking mural. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Grah! so it's like, <laughs> yeah, we know, dude. We know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you missed the if you missed a pre-production design, they're calling attention to it. But I still still don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah. I don't know, but but this idea that his memories are gone is like super interesting to dusk. Right. He's been worried about that. And now sure. he basically has confirmation of it. And she, Rue, is offering a solution to that. I think he's going to be inclined to really hear her out on that. Uh, assuming, you know, that they're not both in a prison created by Cleon the First at the end of this episode. True. I don't know. True. It's also funny. There's also this other stuff where, like, Dusk is, like, wounded that she lied to him about the memories. Like, I thought we trusted each other. She's like, no, you thought I trusted you. And I thought that's a nice mirror of the brother's relationship where they're wounded. To, like, how sure. dare you memory audit does? Like, don't you trust? We trust each other. It's like, no. It's, it's, um, I feel like there's a lot of things that are drawing attention unwise assumptions that people are making about their station in life, about their supremacy of technology, about, you know, the, 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 their, their faith in a system to keeping working. Um, mm-hmm. and those being proven to be like false, like these, these, these things that seem so sure and so dependable are not really. Yeah. I do wonder how far that extends. Um, what happens when day thinks about Demerzel's origins? Does Day also conjure the line, she's always been here as she always will be? Or does he have extra knowledge um, temporarily while he's Day? I could buy that, but what it's my current operating theory is that the Cleonic dynasty is actually Demerzel. And there's just, she's just using human puppets so that the galaxy at large doesn't freak the fuck out that a robot is actually ruling them. I think that her and Cleon made that deal. Like, he's uh-huh. like, we suck. We're shit. We should have never wiped you guys out. I'm putting all of our faith in humanity. I can see that this is all going to collapse, and I'm going to put all my faith into you, Dimmerzel, who is yet to betray humanity over 13,000 years of reasons to do so. I feel like that's the big okey-doke. And they're all... They're all they're all memory manipulated to not realize that. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Except what is the one what's the one thing that doesn't fit into that? Oh, well, I was going to say the we only see the memory alteration stuff through the through the two versions of Cleon that we know are memory altered, right? We don't True. see any confirmation about day's memory state. Uh it, it's only dawn and dusk. Dawn's the one who realizes we're puppets. Dusk is the one who can't remember anything about Timber's Hill. 
and or or maybe the day gets like there's memories that are unblocked to the primary that then right, get right. reblocked. Yeah, and they're bequeathed exactly. to you when you become day, and they're taken from you when you become dusk. I'd buy that, except for this. These Cleons just seem so ineffective in the last few generations, and they're trusting mm-hmm. Dimmerzel. It's like the the big question, the thing that I don't fit feel like fits the theory is why is Dimmerzel trying to move away from the genetic dynasty? Because yeah. that would very much complicate things. But I don't know because like she seems like she's really uneasy about Day going to Foundation. And not for like, oh, he's in mortal jeopardy. It's more of like she thinks she seems like she's very concerned about this course of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell how on board she even is with this marriage thing or if she has a backup plan to make sure it doesn't go through if she's just you know she's yeah, still got everything that, under is, control vaguely but is that the plan that like well um Sarath is going to die in some kind of crazy attack and it's going to make the Cleons even more dependent upon me because right. you shot your shot and it all ended up in tears and you just got to come back and trust trust Mama Dimmerzel because she mm-hmm. always knows what's best. She's always been. Yeah, I, I it feels like that's what they're going, especially with Cleon coming out and being like, oh, you want answers? I got your answers, fucker, at the end. Maybe she's trying to consolidate power. I mean, it, they make the whole point in this episode, like, you know, an empress is still an empress, whether, you know, the emperor is dead or alive, right? Mm-hmm. Um the other way would be true as well the king of cloud dominion would still be king whether the queen is dead or not and I wonder if this is Dimmerzel's attempt to bolster empire by usurping the the power of cloud dominion because they see that empire you marry, you marry her and then kill Seraph and then he and then he's owns the de facto by right interesting yeah, yeah. yeah that's because that would go both ways and that's that's like that's not a threat to her plan because that's just her putting you know trying to keep the empire going as long as possible him going and talking right. to harry and the foundation is like something yeah, off her spiral to die. <laughs> yeah 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 uh i don't know i don't know man that's why i want to hit the play button on the next episode but i know dude i can't i'm gonna do it i'm gonna I should uh, should only be a, a week wait but uh we're in the same torment as you we're just time shifted a week mm-hmm. into the future <laughs> I want to talk about a tech thing real quick. The Shadow Master yeah. silencer. Yeah, uh, the thing, the AKA Goyer smacking us about with the thing that we missed in earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's cool. Uh, the idea that you can sort of, it, it kind of, I imagine it works on the same principle as noise canceling headphones or those discs, those uh, yeah. psychic discs in the mm-hmm. prison later in the episode where right. it just cancels out the noise pattern so you can't hear it of every movement you make. Of course, with technology sufficient advanced magic, blah, blah, blah. Sure, I do wonder sure. if there's countermeasures. Are there ways like, you know, uh-huh. if you know anything about like Cold War espionage, like wouldn't be the first nation state that thought they had an uncrackable code, <laughs> an unbreakable cone of silence that actually everybody, you know, was reading behind their back. So I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But, but there's a lot of fingers pointing, you know, at Rue as the one who organized, uh, the assassination right uh there's always the like why would i do that i want day right of day the assassination attempt of day yeah um i don't think anyone suggested that that this was i I think the idea that this is a sarath plot 
um, uh, the original assassinate to kill their family. Uh, that's the, we've, we've left yeah. all that behind. Okay. No, no, no. The assassin, the attempted assassination of day. Uh, she's right. got these shadow master silencers. She remembers mm-hmm. the servants, uh, byways from her time in the palace right. that she wasn't supposed to remember. There's a lot of fingers there pointing at her. And they executed the shadow master right off the bat under suspicion. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe they did turn him. It's possible. I mean, they pretty easily turned one of his other guard with just an offer of money and getting True. away from the Empire. Yeah, it's just another reflection of how weak the Empire is getting. Mm-hmm. And they're over-reliant on the speaking of technology. They're, you know, like the Empire seems to be very much over-relying on the fact that they think they have ultimate mastery over people's memories. Yeah. Which is a handy trick for an authoritarian regime, let me tell you. Yeah, and if Dusk weren't so, like, interested in the prospect of renewing his own memory he would probably be a lot more disconcerted by the fact that they can do that mm-hmm. uh, so let's go over to Ignis where Gail asks where Harry is tell him says she killed him and that Gail already knew that Gail asks why and demands to see Salvor and tell him says that's not possible because you're not really here and Gail wakes in a cave prison designed to break her mind and find the location of the prime radiant i think i think that's what they're trying to do here but then they just pull her out of that later and transfer her body so it might have something to do with the body train the mind transfer they're trying to break her or they're trying to soften her mind up so she can because like there must be some especially as someone as powerful as gail there it must be a little bit more than just picking a lock to get inside their brain so it's like she's they're yeah they're, yeah, they're marinating her marinating her mind meat and then once she gets inside her brain, it'll be easier to find the Prime Radiant, I assume. But Oh, I yeah, I'd assume it'd be, <laughs> it'd yeah. be trivial at that point. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's some completely fucked up stuff here. And it's and it's just a prelude to the even more fucked up stuff that is gonna happen later. But when she tells Gail why she killed Harry it's completely fucked man she says you cared for him i saw that you cared for him so i killed him mm-hmm. okay okay lady she's, you she, are now the also, villain she's also an accelerated timeline okay she's got she's got the <laughs> space cancer okay mm-hmm. okay you know maybe she could do something kinder if she had the time but you know mm-hmm. the grand sure. sweep of the galaxy couple hundred years of lifetimes what's yeah what's uh <laughs> one harry what's selden one, against that yeah one genius's uh life against that this also because you know we've had it's, it's also making sense because there's been a few scenes where we're like what the fuck was that like when gail had that spontaneous like drowning vision that's when harry was dying and um, yeah. there was another instance where what was something we didn't understand? Um, oh yeah, we we had that question about like you know that why did uh, Brother Constant say like oh this reminds me of when I when I came back the first time and Polly's like what and she's like oh nothing well that was a clue that Harry was insider because she had yes. never. Been to, so there's been it's interesting to go back and I, I imagine the season will reward this a lot as as interwoven as the stuff I'm just getting on on my first go through, but I bet mm-hmm. they do that I bet they're doing that a lot. They are. I listened to the latest uh, official Foundation podcast. I literally finished it five minutes before we we got on the horn today. 
there's so much stuff in there where he says, yeah. oh, yeah, and this is a seed we planted and this. And I'm just like slapping yeah. my forehead. I missed yeah. that completely. And I wish I, I wish I had that information when talking about it because it makes it so much more interesting. Yep. I yeah, official podcast. Pretty good. It is. Uh, Josiah, you the only had kid. to listen to one foundation podcast. Probably make it that one. Eh, eh, I don't know. I recommend it, but maybe not that strongly. Uh, Josiah, the little kid uh, cited, sees Tellum coughing in this scene. And I'm not sure where I stand on what I think he thinks about Tellum. Because he seems to be helping out Salvor. He feels bad about how she's being treated. Gives her quite a bit of information here. More than Mm -hmm. Tellum would want him to, certainly. Uh I, I, he might be the thing that that steps in between her plan and getting Gale. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. He's like, there's something about also the fact that he's relatively innocent and naive. Like, he might believe the kumbaya shit that some of the older, um, you know, maybe more cynical uh, mentalics don't quite uh, have, have outgrown or kind of like, you know, the ones who are able to do the Kool-Aid, mental gymnastics to justify Tellum's actions. You know, kids have a knack for cutting through bullshit a lot of the time. And there's a lot of bullshit flying around. Yeah. And I wonder how much, because they talk about how open things are, but I do wonder how many of the mentalics understand, like, what the table means. Like, when that kid says it's a great honor, does he understand what's going to happen? Or is this something that, like... Right. A vast, you know, maybe, you know, any any mentality that's old, younger than 50 has no idea that ta- this is her deal. This is her whole deal. Yeah. But maybe they do, because, I mean, maybe she, I, I take her at her word that everything she said about her pre-life is true, that the parents of the little girl considered a great honor, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's like, mm-hmm. it's all kinds of fucked up ways you can, you can look at child sacrifice culturally, I suppose, but. <laughs> sure. Uh. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be instrumental in breaking up the ceremony because I there's there's the much more obvious thing of Salvor out there with a belt full of mind and rock breaking rings. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume she's going to come fly Kool Aid Manning through the wall literally <laughs> and <laughs> and break up this thing, but we'll see. Oh yeah. Uh, let's go over to Terminus where foundation watches the live streamed execution of Polly and constant on Trantor. Uh, we see day choosing to kill constant first, but as she's praying, Hober's ship jumps into the, uh, scene right next to the execution platform. He manages to get constant back to the ship, but Becky's killed in action and Polly's still a prisoner and Hober takes off constant's collar and they jump away hand in hand. I tell you, this show's got a thing for one-off uh, intriguing sci-fi design. These uh, collars of typhus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn. Just just iris your head right off. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, like a cigar cutter. Oh, yeah. Why not? I mean, that's cool. If you're going to have executions, make them cool. That's what I say. <laughs> make so, them a spectacle. And this is a fucking spectacle. This whole scene, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hope yeah, we're jumping in. To... 
just the grandiose nature of this execution being broadcast, broad beamed to the galaxy. Galactic, and then the Hober just like stares right at the camera and big, sorry, sorry, knocking uh-huh. your shit over, dude. That's it's... this is, I, I, and as far as statements go, holy oh. shit, this couldn't be a bigger statement. Empire can be touched. It's what Bell, it's what Glaywin says later, right? It, I mean, I'd say it feels like the Imperial 9-11, except for we had that last year with the with the, the, space, elevator. the space elevator. So, mm-hmm. like, this is just a continuation of the decline that, yeah. you know. This, this strikes at the heart of Empire. This is Empire itself, you know. And it's not, this wasn't like a dedicated terrorist attack where someone had to suicide bomb this, that, and the other. This someone just drove their pickup truck into the inner sanctum of the empire did a yard job and stole a political prisoner (laughs) and there was nothing they could do to stop it that's the thing yeah taking reclaiming one of the prisoners who's said to be executed is a huge blow to the image of empire um it it it's something that happens on planet as opposed to something that happened off planet, you know, the the elevator is very close to the planet, but that that's an easier access. Whereas you are striking at the heart, the Cleon of it mm-hmm. all, right? You're getting mm-hmm. within feet of the Empire itself. It's a huge blow. Oh yeah. And do why do you think the Emperor didn't force Sareth to choose? Do you think it's like one of those things where it's like it would embarrass him in public? Yeah, that's a really good question. I because when he puts it to her, I'm like, oh, I I see what he's doing here. You know, he's trying to force her into being complicit in this act that is going to turn the people kind of yeah. against her. Like executions are violent. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a possible lead into that. But when he lets up on that, it's the same question I had about Dimmerzel last episode. Why didn't she force the examination? Uh, of her womb, right? All these tests that they're supposed to well, that do. That makes sense because she, because she still thought that sure they she, valued Sarah's consent, and uh-huh. you know, personage. and she didn't want Sarah blowing up her spot about being a robot. All, all this kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. that, that made a little more sense. This, I'm genuinely curious. I don't, I don't quite understand why he doesn't force it here. It's just like a threat because like a thing is like I if she just like balks or does anything but enthusiastically says off with her head you know he looks like a fucking fool so it's one of those things where it's like it's a little bit of like supposed to make her get that scary feeling the pit of your stomach like you're falling but it just like it's something just light mm-hmm. like the fuck with her it's it I don't know because the thing is is this stuff I will say this does plant day as kind of a big dumb 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 but I already kind of knew that <laughs> I almost sure. asked. I almost asked like that. Goy, that as a question is like, is are you guys writing day to deliberately seem stupid? Not just in his terms of his actions, but I've even found his speeching, his speech making, his speechifying is extremely vulgar. Not in like a profane way, although it's that too, but in just like mm. a very coarse common. You know, he's talking like yeah. uh, a not particularly bright Fortune 500 CEO. Yeah, it's incredible like if you go back. He's, he's on he's on a Fortune four ninety eight. He's just hanging on there by his uh, by his nails. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I went back to look up some things specifically for this episode um, to season one, and you can see how different they are in their mannerisms and their behavior and and their speech too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely degrading. 
So what is the point of this from Harry's perspective? I couldn't help but notice it's a real moment for the Foundation to see one of their prophets there kneeling, about to be executed by the Empire. Is 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 Harry trying to stiffen the Foundation's backbone so they absolutely go to war? Because I could see, like, okay, what if Day went to Foundation and sues for peace and the, the um, administrator... Is kind of like a weak person. Harry kind of sees it, and he needs the Foundation to go to war, so he's doing this to just make sure he puts a little bit extra steel in the spine of the administrator and the people on Terminus. Where? How do you see... It's possible. ...this outworking for the benefit of psychohistory? I mean, that that's the thing. I would say it's to drive them into war, but it doesn't, right? Um I wonder if it's something where we need to see what's going to happen with Day over on Terminus to really understand what he's doing. I I can't quite put my finger on it. You know, they say that uh, individuals don't matter in cycle history, but I got to say, where would we be without Becky? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, would we be without Becky? She saves the day here. Definitely. Again. The face that Lee Pace makes the second Becky sinks her teeth into his shoulder, I got a screen capture of it. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just uh, him frantically running, or there's a there's a um, a little Johnny Depp uh, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing, and his uh, prancing and and fleeing, and and, and 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 there's a comedic aspect to it. I think he's tapping into that I uh-huh. that I quite enjoyed. Unfortunately. Uh, Becky, uh, I guess she's too expensive to animate uh, for what I got from the podcast, and uh, they had to, they had to kill her and throw her off the balcony here. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I kind of wanted her to kill Day because I mean, talk about striking a blow against Empire, like killing one of the clones. Like, sure, they decant another, but it's it's even more of a statement. And I wonder why they didn't go with that. Speaking of inversions, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, we've seen Day on top of Demerzel, uh, and in this instance where his aura fails and she has to, like, get on top of him to, like, shield his body with hers, so that puts him in this very masculine position where he's like, get the fuck off me. That is an interesting inversion. Yeah, um, I I have some questions around that, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get into here in a, another. Who is? Scene. Uh, here's a question because I don't think it's a. It, it's it's an option. The underlying question is no longer a question. Who is sabotaging the imperial technology? How many there times we have we seen an aura yeah. failed? Nanite by its bots yes. not working. So, uh, it's a security cams failing. Records be. Who the fuck is sabotaging the? It's got to be Dimmerzel, right? It's got to be. Seems like it's it's got to be Dimmerzel. She feels like the only one with access enough to do it. Um, but why would she, is is it possible that she's literally a double agent? Like there is a day Dimmerzel that wakes and interfaces with the uh, day and dusk and dawn, and then there's the nighttime Dimmerzel, which kind of actually is there like a mother darkness that she becomes where she's doing the will of Cleon the first, sure. and that like these these two things are at odds of each other why does that feel like a bridge too far in a show that has done crazier things <laughs> well i guess to make it not crazy you just feel like there's no, there's actually no 
demarcation. She knows she's herself the whole time. It's just that sure. she's doing things behind the scene to undermine the Cleons. Mm-hmm. But 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 why? Why? But the, the reason I went with the separation is like why disable his aura and then shield him with your body? Keep up appearances, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, like the is a bonus if he dies in the attack. But if he does, but but then you just decant. The, yeah, I still I'm not sure. I, I don't know how to explain that yeah i mean so what this one dies um i don't know man it's, it's definitely Although, a huge question i had after i realized the nanobots weren't working in a timely fashion either if the aura breaks the nanites break what if the real-time memory transfers wouldn't it be a shame if like you just mm-hmm. can't declone the de- can't the clone you know yeah it, these maybe are all foundational where Dimmerzel, you know if something were to happen to these cleons all at once perhaps um then then something might happen to the clones you know uh oops mm-hmm. it turns out you know the emperors all died and ah well the clone stuff didn't work either shit i guess we have no emperor mhm uh but i don't, I don't think she can just uh-huh. she can't just rule herself that's that's that she's got to have a way to have somebody again yeah. to work if this theory is even true mhm but um did you have a problem with how easy Hober got away? Like, I get that you can jump in because they don't understand that, but he just goes to orbit. Yeah. Are there no weapons in those giant orbital rings that Cleon's always talking about being chains and collars? And mm-hmm. does like Trantor have no defenses other than its fleet? Uh, it seems like that's possible, but I don't know why that or was. Was it true. another security failure? Yeah, it can be a security failure. I mean, he it I. I feel like it's a non-starter as far as like theorizing goes because he could have literally just jumped away from where he was, right? He doesn't need mm-hmm. to be in orbit. He doesn't need to be anywhere. He can just jump. But in that's and why, out that's of another space. thing. They could have neatly dodged all those, but like they mm-hmm. didn't. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. I, I I talked about Bell Rios and Glewin sort of reacting to seeing this, and Glewin says Hober proved the Empire can be touched. Uh yeah, I I think that definitely proves that. And you know, Did we you talked think... about the space elevator falling. That was mm-hmm. over 100 years ago. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. may have forgotten about that event at this point mm-hmm. and now view Empire as untouchable again, so this kind of oh, reproves yeah. the point. Yeah, you got several generations between between them and the, now and then. I'm I'm certain. I'm certain that's that's the case. I I do wonder um because i think you're supposed to be asking yourself like what is the potential for bell rios to join a rebellion or to join with foundation 100 uh, yeah. how much do you think the potimeters uh adjusted for that course of action I, I think it's moving more towards rebellion um or at least if not open rebellion from bell he could do things that would contribute to the downfall of the empire behind the scenes. He just stand aside or sure. I mean, he's broker a to... deal with the sounds like he has a really tight relationship with the spacers. Like not a lot of humans do like uh, she who shines brightly or I forget uh, what, what the name of the, the, the uh, spacer to support his, his uh, capital. She bends light. She bends light. Yes. Yeah. Um, she who sent her is her mother. Um, I, I, I think there's a, it seems like they don't have very good relations with normal humans and they took great pains to show that Bell Rios does enjoy good relations with his spacer so it's like it'd be yeah. an interesting power broker and now you've coupled him up with 
the quote-unquote thorn in the side or the Hober Mallow who will pierce the side of the Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is the action she's talking about when she says she, he'll pierce the side of Empire or if there's more to come, but I could see Hober and Bell being a pretty inter- interesting combination. Yeah. And they're now in proximity to each other, so. And they buy, like, I, you can't help but that think that uh, Bell admires Hober. His like mm-hmm. dash and daring and cur- and you know style panache. Yeah, I assume that. Hey, well, we see why Harry wanted Hober, but I assume the benefit of having Hober here is that he's the only one stupid enough to do this. Because man, <laughs> it's risky. Uh, so everybody's taken back to the palace. Dusk says they have to retaliate, and Day says, "Ah, I'm gonna go to Terminus to talk to Foundation, and he's gonna take Polly with him." Nobody except for Sarath thinks this is a good idea. So Day leaves Tranter in Dawn's hands. Is Day an idiot? Do you think Day actually <laughs> is touched by Sarath, uh, his backing, or is he just playing? Is he assumed that she's playing the pu- public part, so he's going to do the same? But it's a weird public part to play in their inner sanctum. I think Day's just this dumb. You really? I, I think Day's got his mindset, and he might not care what Sarah thinks here. I because look as a viewer, I see this as a naked attempt to get him killed. Uh, like if he goes off and does this thing, he's gonna get killed. They're gonna decamp. Maybe a better clone. I don't know. Uh, well, he's still stupid. You're not explaining the situation where Day's not uh-huh. stupid. You're just saying, uh, here's the other depth of the unfathomable stupidity you haven't considered. So it's like, okay. I'm 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 with you. Yeah, I mean, Day is definitely not the brightest bulb. Going to the Foundation personally is, I guess, when you're a clone entity, it's not as crazy say, as if you weren't. That, but that's actually what the first smart thing he's done. You know, like let's try talking. What could it hurt? If they annihilate us anyway, then we talk before they annihilate us. We annihilate them and take everyone. Then we talk. But what? Yeah, what's sure. I don't know, man. It doesn't seem also, like there's any hope of of it working. Oh, I agree with that. But it's also I'm I'm just but I'm like from his pro, pro, it's also a rejection of his brother's philosophy of like sit back on Trantor and let Dimmerzel handle everything. Um, so the one of the things I noticed in this scene is he leaves Trantor to Dawn when he takes off to go to Terminus. Uh, that's a change from what he's done previously and I assumed it was protocol to leave the planet to dusk he did this when he went to visit the Luminous uh, in season one he left it specifically to dusk that makes sense he's got the experience to run the empire while he's gone to leave it to dawn is a slap in the face to dusk an intentional one I think just to spite him yeah it's showing that you know don't it's, disagree it's, re- with it's me. reduction of it's a rejection of his uh, seeming lazy and disinterested and he's like being punished like it's, oh it's you that, you know yeah. you yeah you had your thumb up your ass the entire time I was coming up and now you want to be like oh it's an act of war an act of no fuck you yeah yeah he's definitely yeah. being sat down yeah for sure um we kind of already talked about the aura stuff not working uh we could go here to Rue and Sarath in private. Um, Rue tells Sarath that she can't get romantically entangled with Brother Dawn and reminds her of what's at stake if Day finds out. And Sarah says, I am queen and I will make the choices. 
Anybody who has to resort to saying, I am queen, to win an argument, has lost that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think there is a little bit of Rue not taking her own advice and trying to call, you know, and, and her queen, who, that's the thing, is like, Sarath is not Joffrey. Um, it's also, I think, uh, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's fine to remind, you know, especially if you're a young person who's thrust in this position, your senior advisors, who actually is the the boss from time to time. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. but I think like, Rue's pointing out, it's like, you know, you think you've lost everything, but there is so much more for you to lose. And in terms of like the dominion, you know, the people, our world, our home, like we could lose it all. I mean, when she's saying that, I'm thinking back to the previous scene with the, the, or the previous season with day taking Dawn's love interest out to, you know, the garden and mm-hmm. killing everyone who's ever known her. Yeah. With the twist or of a wrist. Wiping off Thespin and, and Acreon from, mm-hmm. it, you know, like just destroying the plant, their planets, uh, entirely. It's, it yeah. can get pretty fucking biblical, uh, empires retribution. Absolutely. Uh, and you know it's going to be made way more explicit later in the episode but as soon as I saw the situation I was like well that's a terrible idea to leave Sarath alone on this planet with Dawn in charge Yeah, because exactly what happens is going to happen you mentioned like the wife and widow being are both empresses I wonder if that connects to Demerzel as well like someone asked us in feedback last week hmm. do we think that Demerzel could be the queen uh, Gwendolyn or whatever the hell Cleon's mother was and I was like I can't see how that could literally be true yeah um, but also like I guess she could there's nothing says you know she could just change her appearance or, or whatnot so um, she hasn't for 130 plus years which I guess is but she's been roughly she's had a job in a human lifetime but also <laughs> she's had a job that had yeah um, I, I do wonder yeah. and I wonder if like because you know uh one things that's made it particularly hard to not watch the next episode is that uh Coyer said that like you know next episode was going to be a big answer for Dimmerzel mm-hmm. type episode and, yeah obviously they're going down into the Dimmerzel dungeon we're going to get some answers but yeah yeah her being a robot 13,000 years old makes the possibilities like she could be a completely different person Uh oh, our dynastic empire is experiencing some genetic drift. We'll be right back. The algorithm says this podcast will continue. Welcome back to Foundation. Let's go over to Ignis, where Josiah gives a very much alive Salvor some food. Surprise, surprise. Uh, she tries to use her coin to perceive Gale's fate, but it doesn't work because of these discs that are repressing her or suppressing her abilities. Uh, Gale does some prime radiant slash mental magic. I honestly couldn't tell you how she gets the prime radiant here, but she does, and she goes over. She uses it to transfer her mind to the vault. Where wait, Salvor didn't. Didn't didn't what didn't she realize that the thing was hidden in her coat? I maybe, but I don't understand why she picked up what looks like a fucking cup holder. I like why was that in her coat? 
That's the full unfolded Prime Radiant. Oh, I know what it is, but why did she pick it up? I think she's known it was there. So, like, okay. Uh, is there a scene where Salver takes her leather jacket and, like, has, like, a flash of recognition or something? That's what I'm looking for. It's like... I don't know. They're flashing back to it in this episode, but I don't remember the scene at all. Because Gale was supposed to hide it where no one would find it. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's something because yeah, yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Either Gale was able to mind blast it to her somehow, um, or she just realized. Yeah, she's realized because they're they're playing a little bit of like we're not aware of some of the timelines, um, going on. So it's like I I think mm-hmm. that they if you ask the writers they'd be like, well, you know. Well, I don't know. Like I said, the last episode, if you watch it, she could have like put on the leather jacket and have a funny, fun like she just felt it, you know, in her in her back or at her side or something. I, that's what I assumed. That like yeah, if we like went back Gail and, and watch it again, to make her pick that, it up, but not realize she's picking up the prime radiant. I well, no, yeah, I actually think I, that, I think I think Gail it. went and hid it in her jacket, and then like there's sometimes Salver between now and then has realized it's there and hasn't said anything. Of course. So it's like, I don't think that's too much to ask an audience to surmise. Gail hid it in her jacket. Okay. Yes. Because she didn't have it on when she was so. walking around patrolling for Hugo, right? She was just wearing her, like, tank top. Oh, I don't remember. But, I mean, they definitely, like, make the connection with the jacket, but I wasn't mm-hmm. sure exactly how that connected. Um, okay, let's it was say it was in her jacket. Lining. Yeah, it's in her jacket. Yeah, uh, so she realized she has it. She used it to transfer her mind over to the vault, and she says only a couple words to Harry, and he deduces like every single thing we found out about the Prime Radiant and the copies of Harry this season. And she says, Gail is in danger and asks for Harry's help. I really like that scene where they show him like speaking to himself going off into infinity with the reflective glass. I don't know if they did it optically or if they actually did it po- in post, but it looked really cool. And then like Salvor, like a ghost appears in front of him, like in into infinity, having the argument. I thought that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't have it. You, you said it Riley, like, oh, he just guesses. But I'm like, how this is this could be a tiresome scene for a watcher because we already know this. We're watching Harry sure. and a two for one. You don't stray. You don't stress our um, patience and you make Harry look like the really smart guy that he is. Well, I think it's instantly... almost played for comedy. Uh, oh, you think Because so? it's how little she says and how much he deduces. I think it's played for comedic effect and it worked for me. Cause I thought, uh, yeah, because like it's it's still hairy. Like she's so trying like, not. She's specifically trying not to say things, and that's right. cluing him into other things that he's, you know, right. deducing. It's. I, right. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I thought it, I thought it was pretty funny too. Uh, not funny, but I thought it was it it, it was well done. Um, we we wondered, you know, what the fate of Salvor was going to be. Obviously, the sighted. When when we hear Josiah say like sighted don't kill sighted, we can deduce that they just pulled her out and of of the pool, turned off yeah. her mind, pulled her out, put her in this prison. Yeah, uh, they're they're really rolling hard with the Doc Brown principle, where it's like we want our authority figures to be no 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 knowledge of the future is going to contaminate the time stream, but we also gotcha. want them to have the cheeky little. Eh, you know what? Fuck it. I scotch taped the letter back together and I wore a bulletproof vest. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know? What can it hurt? Uh, 
Now, it is a little bit trickier on a show where the whole show is about that thing Mm -hmm. to, like, do that and not fuck with the story that you're trying to tell. But we're early enough that I'm again, I don't I'm I'm unclear of what side the show is going to end up on different things. So it's like, I I don't know. I I think it's a lot of fun. But yeah, Harry being like, don't tell me anymore. It's going to mess up the math. And then ah, fuck the math by the end of the episode. Yeah, totally. Uh I've fuck I'm the left hand I think that's a hilarious line <laughs> when he's realizing how yes. unimportant he is because he kept briefing is excited of like oh my god maybe I'm the ca- oh no I'm the I'm the uh, shit I'm the left if I don't know it I'm the left hand <laughs> yep it's a great line and it's a great reading by Jared Harris yeah. and it's uh, exactly how Harry would feel like uh-huh. his ego took a, a, a hit there he he takes no satisfaction in knowing there's a version of him out there that is the right hand. He just wants to be the right hand himself. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if the power struggle between them is something intentional. Right. That like, yeah. well, I, I need to light a fire in the original foundation, so, so making them feel like they're the second banana is going to do that. I mean, it's a, like I said, wheels within wheels here. Mm-hmm. And I want to see both how much is part of the plan and how resilient the plan or I guess psycho history is to changes deviations from that plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of stuff excites me where Harry finds out information he's maybe not supposed to have, or maybe supposed to have right. uh, at a certain time and how he reacts to that. And there's also overall, the, I keep on thinking back to that. This is not already, this is already drifted and deviated quite a bit. You know, like we are, mm-hmm. what, 173, 168 years behind schedule for the second foundation? Yeah. Yeah, it has not happened yet. And some of the stuff that Talon Bo- uh, Bond uh, says later really blew my mind, too. But we'll get we'll get to that. Because there's, like I said, yeah. the show feels like it's throwing its own monkey wrenches into its own works at some of this stuff. And it's like, it's, they, they got to have this all figured out. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a icky sadness that comes with some of Josiah's lines. He's talking about Harry. Um, you know, he's saying sighted, don't kill sighted. A, ask the founders in DS9 how that worked out for them. B, when he says Harry was insufficient, I'm like, no, he wasn't. You're just assholes. Uh, he's been he's being brainwashed. It well, really it's sucks. also. A little commentary, I think, on able-bodied people and, like, how we, even if you take great pains or not, you see them as, like, yeah, they're kind of, you can kind of accommodate this, you got to do that. And um, a lot of stuff that they did in, like, old science fiction, and it continues to be, they're empathy engines. It's like, Mm -hmm. how would you feel as a perfectly sufficient person in your own senses and everything if someone comes back because you're missing one that they have you're like oh jeez you're like Oof, mm-hmm. is it even worth living uh, I think I think they're playing around a little bit with that oh yeah um, it's just sad to hear it out of the mouth of someone who's so clearly yeah. been told so so young and so vulnerable and clearly been told that by somebody else it's not their own opinion yeah uh, let's go over to Hober and Constant dropping out of warp just outside of the Imperial enclosure around Terminus. They go dark to avoid detection. Uh, that's just a quick scene there. Yeah, I'm glad you because like I wasn't sure what an enclosure, but you're it's because he says uh, Hober says, oh, it's an Imperial enclosure. 
I thought he was talking about a specific specific type of type of starship. Mm. Like, is there like, is this like a super carrier that's supposed to help? But no, you're right. There was just talking about the this is a blockade that they put around. Yeah, Terminus. Yep. Um, so I assume that none of the the people of Foundation can escape. Uh, we'll see. The director of Terminus is worried about his daughter, Constant. He goes out to the vault to kind of vent at Harry and, and kind of just worry aloud. Harry appears to him, and that's when he really starts venting at Harry. Um, Harry explains that he does care about people through psychohistory and says that they just have to wait and see if Constant survived. This is kind of another side of telling Bond speech. Like, oh, I do feel all the, like, you know, Harry does say, I do see all the individuals. Um, yeah, uh, that's it's at, but it's, it's at a remove, just like Tellum's. Like, well, are you or are you just desensitizing yourself uh, to trauma? I kind of like, do you, yeah. Harry? I don't know. Um, I did think it's interesting that the you know this is Constance's father. Uh, he's worried about his daughter's survival. He has taken no solace from their faith because I think his husband says the prophet protects and he just openly scoffs. He's drinking heavily. He's drunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the guy that's going to be treating with the emperor. Very interesting. The energy he's taking yeah. into this. Hmm. I feel, I feel like there is something about faith in here too. Um, Cause he, he, this guy brushes up against the faith part of the foundation, but never kind of crosses that line. Whereas you see Polly doing not the opposite, but a, a far more potent version of faith, right? Where he believes in Harry unshakably regardless. This guy struggles with it very much. And I, I like kind of the, the lead ins they're doing to this religious angle of the foundation here. And the discussion that Polly's going to have with day uh-huh. here in a bit, I yeah. think like really leans into that and raises some questions about the future of foundation. Well, we've said it a million times this podcast, fake it till you make it in terms of personal development. Like if you want to be a different person, like it's psychologically proved that if you just act like that person, pretend like that person, you'll eventually become that person mm-hmm. um, in your actions, your mannerisms, all that kind of thing. And there, you know, and I, I believe this. It's like, if you pretend to be a religion long enough, more and more people around you will forget the fact that it's an act and you can see like yeah. and, and but the administrator is one of those you can see that you can like you said with Polly that the career like he is a rationalist he understands that this stuff isn't magic and Terry's not a god but when he gets caught up like the line gets pretty blurry where the administrator is clearly on like oh god uh, constant whatever you do don't join up with those the mendicants like mm-hmm. that sounds like Minda- it's 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 got lying dishonesty based into it. it's like I didn't want her to be one of Harry's dupes. And we know from Polly that she is the dupiest of the dupes because she's just got mm-hmm. unvarnished faith in the prophet that must gall him at some level. So, yeah, he's going to take a lot of uh, sacrificial daughter energy into his meeting with the uh, with uh, the emperor. And I bet it doesn't do do the situation much good. Yeah, I think it's interesting how in a time of need here, he's turning toward Harry the God, you know, and and it's partially anger, but you see that all the time, like in stories yeah, from out. the Bible, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Very often 
times uh, devoted uh, people who are strongly devoted to God will go to him and say, why are you doing this? I, it does not feel good. It feels wrong. Uh, question, you know, the happenings in their life. And here, that's what he's doing. And it, it's a it's a weird turn to faith for him because he has nothing left to to lean on here. Absolutely. Do you want the uh, do you want do you, do you want experts in arguing and and wrestling with God? The Jewish people got the championship belt. You know, just go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, 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 that's that's half of the Old Testament's all about. Sure. And it's it's interesting that yeah that this guy who doesn't give a shit about religion finds a concept offensive, nevertheless is going to the holy places and seeking out God, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> And it might be argumentative, but it's still a seeking for mm-hmm. something beyond. You don't argue with something science. you don't believe in, Jim. True. Very true. Uh, and then we get a quick scene here about Constant uh, telling Hober how much Polly meant to her. And it's touching. Uh, but I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, there are a lot more I interesting don't know. It's scenes like, happening. That's, yeah, it's like it's just a nice scene between Hober and and Constance and uh, a life philosophy where she's feeling bad about Polly because, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like, he was this like pillar of the church and now she's known him in his decline where he's become a drug addict and alcoholic. And, you know, she sees that as a sad thing, but Hober's like, well, he's poured himself out and he's got nothing left and he's at the, towards the end of his life. That's kind of where you want to be. Right. Sure. Now her dad's headed down that same path. <laughs> we'll see True. where that leads him. But he was a shitty student of the church, so what does he know? Yeah. So then we get to another really good scene where Day talks with Polly about Harry Seldon's religion. Polly claims it's just the trappings of a religion because it's all backed up by science. But when questioned more about it, Polly's claims of faith reveal it to actually be a religion. Um. So there's a lot to talk about here. I, I want to stick with the religious angle really quick. There's... You know, there's an intentional direction toward religion that Harry is uh, creating here. He's trying to establish himself as a god. And I think one of the things that goes unsaid but very much implicated in this scene is, or implied in this scene, is what happens once you create that unshakable faith? What happens once you install yourself as a god? How do How do you get past that? Are, are you are you looking to a future beyond religion for foundation? And if so, do, do, can you forsake your people enough that they will no longer consider you a god? Um, can you give them something else to worship? What what is Harry's ultimate goal here? Is it just to establish himself as a god? Because that doesn't seem like a place that humanity ends up ten thousand years from now all happy. How do you wean people off of fanatic religion? Right. What's the methadone for that? I think it's a super interesting question and yeah. I have some ideas, but we'll see yeah. how it goes. And, and you know, this is all, um, th- there's a, I guess another question here where day brings up the topic of his own ignorance and whether, you know, Harry presupposed everyone's ignorance about his plan Mm-hmm. in the plan and how does that break the plan but I'm not so sure that that's a, a solid thing to lean on because if you look at the way that Harry has operated 
initially he presupposed Empire's knowledge of his plan, right? He went to them and said, this is all going to fall. Here's the proof. And he kind of said, you need to know this. And that is part of the plan. And I might, I don't know if maybe some of the people in the audience don't realize this too, but you, you, you're supposed to understand that Harry's already walking the plan of psychohistory years before he gets to the emperor mm-hmm. with Gale, like selecting Gale, building yeah. all, all this stuff was him. So like, just when you know he was talking to Gale about uh, you know the odds like uh, that we could have been executed with this or that he, there's still small chances, but like his him going and revealing himself to the Empire. Yeah, that meant he no longer presupposed your ignorance because he saw the potentialities of that event and he thought it was to his favor. So like yeah, it's a, it's it's yeah like widespread knowledge of the exact plan of psychohistory would probably be destructive. But just saying you know like like they just com- doesn't understand you know he's yeah. one of those, he's he's and he's it's it's one of those things where like he's never tried like. Mm-hmm. It's one of those people that's like, you know, like uh, done their own research, but their research is essentially going to Google and be like, why is what I believe the right thing? Oh, I didn't like that. And (laughs) that's the kind of like when he says I've studied the foundation, Mm -hmm. I've studied Harry Seldon, I've studied this. You've read your biased Imperial archives, which I imagine the propaganda on that would make, you know, Mussolini blush. (laughs) You haven't really studied shit, man. And this is yeah. like his his whole thing is like, I hey, you I, you know, and I know that means he can't predict shit anymore, right? It smacks of like a person saying like, if you ask a cop that they're a cop, they have to tell you, right? Sure. Like, yeah. that's not how any of this shit works. And mm-hmm. if that's what you think, you should not be talking to cops or the ghost of Harry Seldon because they're going to run yeah. you, dude. And there's a lot of stuff he says in this scene that seems on the face of it wrong to me he thinks that uh you know there's no egg strong enough to stand up in the face of a nuke i think you're wrong i think that egg is the vault i think if you nuke the entirety of this planet scour every single bit of life from it harry selden will remain standing do you think it'll come to that though i doubt it but yeah, i don't think so we'll either. see it'd be funny i just think he's making assumptions that are wrong yeah, oh, for sure. And it's chilling at the end where Polly says, the you know, or uh, violence is the last re- refuge of the incompetent. And the way Lee Paces kind of stares right at him and says, you're probably right about that. It's extremely ominous. Mm-hmm. I, like, I also think there's something that the egg may be not necessarily the foundation on terminus but the religion that harry is trying to install there's a scene earlier where we see the guy over on savannah who was trying to attack leading the attack on constant and they're burning books right they, they've found like the imperial spies book stash and they're burning all those things but he's looking back at it like maybe there was something there like i he's, he's looking back at it very thoughtfully and I do wonder if this is not designed, like maybe the destruction of the first foundation of Terminus itself is intended by Harry mm. and it's designed to instill this religion even further in the outer reach. Like, yeah. Like sure. Mar- eliminate the seat of our power, but you, but by doing so you just bolster our message and our, yeah, you make the idea faith. that much stronger. Right. He's, he's because trying like to martyr what the foundation. What we are underneath it all, it's, it's science. It's, it works. Like, you can't destroy 
faith in like fundamental physical principles of the universe <laughs> and we're and selling that to people under the guise of religion and imagine if empire does just try and nuke the entire planet and mm. harry selden remains standing i mean what kind of message is that all the might of the empire is insufficient to destroy the man let alone his message yeah and you you martyr yourself at an organizational level and the organization still you know carries on that's another strong statement yeah it's interesting oh i also I, when i uh, i noticed the name of the ship of the emperor's rubicon um that's the river leading to rome that generals were not allowed to cross like it was considered a de facto act of treason if you bared arms across that river because you were coming to, to, to challenge uh for, for the, the the game of thrones mm -hmm. is it possible that we're supposed to understand that trantor is completely demilitarized because like the, if the empire thinks that they're the only ones with hyperdrive technology why would they need anything other than a fleet to protect them? Because no one could ever reach mm -hmm. their heart before they have to get obliterated by their faster and light ships. So it could be that like, true. It'd be like America finding out that what a country had, uh, um, uh, teleportation technology. It's like, Oh, we got the Pacific Atlantic notion mm -hmm. and all these aircraft carriers and nothing can get to us. Well, now you can just like bamf yourself inside a missile silo or a nuclear reactor or a, Ohio class missile submarine and it's like oh shit we don't have a complete it, it completely changes in a single day what we think of in terms of safety and security is the empire having yeah. that moment right now they don't have planetary defenses because why would the hell would they need them yeah no that's a fair point it's it's remarkable to me the sort of laissez-faire attitude the day has about these whisper ships um it's it, it's a remarkable sign of the outmoded technology of empire yeah he, he should be shitting his pants when he sees these whisper ships with technology they don't even understand let alone yeah. have yeah so i definitely I, I think he's underestimating the foundation big time uh so salvor has caught harry up on her situation he uses the radiant to travel to the cave and examine her prison. He says he can defeat the power canceling discs, using them instead to break the rock walls of her prison. She drops the name Hober Mallow on him, and when he gets back to the vault, we see him write that name on its side as the warden burns. There's some timey wimey, you know, so time gets slippery in the vault, as they say. Yeah. So we just, we have been watching, uh, Gale and Salvor's story like memento style it's slowly been catching up to the main sequence of events seems so yeah how'd you feel about that reveal uh it's cool it, it and it, it retroactively makes all of it make sense right and I because mm -hmm. it's the question like if psycho history can't predict individuals how does he know about Hober Mallow um I, I guess it doesn't totally answer that because Gale you know she Although she can see the future, right? So she right. sees a specific person. Yeah, I think um, it all fits. It, it kind it, of puts a band-aid over that, but I don't even know like, that I needed it. Yeah, the best the best show I've ever seen do something like this is like season one of Westworld. And then they always tried to recreate okay. that and they never quite could. Sure, sure. But like the but but the thing about the Westworld is like there was a lot of signs leading up to the reveal and then the reveal itself was like one twist beyond what you were already suspecting. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't feel like there's any signs at all that we were dealing with two different timelines. Maybe there are if you watch this a second, but like that's the one weakness. It's just like it's a reveal. Not yeah, like, I wouldn't bet on that because I've missed some things. That that's they were what doing I'm saying. Past, I'm not dogmatically saying I'm I can't believe you. they pulled this. It's more of like, and I, that's one of the reasons I think rewatching the season would be very rewarding because I imagine mm-hmm. a lot of stuff does pay off. But that's the only thing I, I cannot think a single time where it felt like those timings were out of place. Or I wonder if there is something that does allow you to synchronize the times if you knew what to look for. Uh. Here, here's the other thing I'm going to throw out there is they did mention how slippery time is inside the vault. I don't know that it's necessary that the Gale Salvor stuff is happening slightly in the past, and and we're learning that. Oh, I think is it, it like could be that it's literally she goes back in time in this encounter with Harry, or Harry's able to go back in time and write that yeah. on the thing because interesting. They specifically mention time being slippery here. Yeah, okay, that would, that would, uh, but boy, that is just the ultimate thing to fix the foundation, because you just wait to hear uh-huh. the news from the future, and you just keep passing it down the telephone. And, and, and this had me thinking, is psychohistory so predictive because it can actually predict people's powers, or can Harry somehow peer into the future via the vault technology? Damn. I mean, it's yeah, it's like I I'm not gonna put take anything off the table, including up to and including gutting psychohistory entirely, but like that would be the one that that'd be shocking if they're like psychohistory <laughs> is actually just Harry solving time travel mm-hmm. and uh, using that to his advantage. But yeah. I don't know. It's a very it's yeah. it's. I mean, shit like Interstellar has played with this idea, um, Arrival. It's big boy science fiction stuff for sure. Yeah, I do wonder what the ramifications of Harry finding out all this stuff and and knowing this and then putting, you know, putting the left-handed thumb on the scale here is, mm-hmm. is going to be uh we're, we're kind of seeing those ramifications real time. It's it's I guess that's interesting to jump back and know that this is Harry's doing, you know, but not directly. It's like through Gale. So he's kind of letting way for Gale them to interpret. dodge the because that's one of the questions. Like, well, if individualities are not a big thing with psychohistory, then why Hober Mallow? This mm-hmm. wasn't psychohistory. This was, uh, it was Harry this was fucking self. This is this <laughs> yeah. is the left thumb. Yeah, it's his ego <laughs> in a way. You know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be a left hand that doesn't do anything. But it's fair to point out that Harry knows this about himself. You know, just like yes. I, I and, and to the extent you're supposed to get um, parallels between the Cleons and Harry, I think it's instructive the way in, how imperious Cleon was about. Don't lecture me about my own states of mind. I'm very well aware of my mm-hmm. flashes of anger and my blah blah blah. Harry's even more so. So, and is he using that information? Because I got to say. If I had to manipulate a clone myself, I bet I could run circles around that bastard if he didn't know it. Because I know, I know sure. all, I, I know all my tricks, all my defenses, all the things I would use to verify something was true. The way, like it would be, I mean, at least in the early going, I got imagine you converge as individuals. But like, mm-hmm. I could buy, yeah, buy that. Yeah, um, I, I think it, you know, puts some wrinkles in the equations, perhaps that it's 
it's Gale kind of passing on this information. Um, mm. How much does he understand and control Gale in this whole scenario? Because she's the one that's really leaking this Hober Mallow stuff, right? Yeah. Through Salvor. Well, but... How would... But Gale... It's not like Gale leaked it. No. She told Salvor, and Salvor told Harry here that Hober Mallow would pierce the Empire's side. What was the circumstances? What exa- How is that exactly... Refresh my mind. How was that exactly transferred, that information? Was this how many episodes ago? To to Harry? Oh, to to Salvor? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I okay, don't even know cause... if we saw it, frankly. Okay, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, uh, Constant proposes that she and Hober take the opportunity they have to have sex, and he agrees, and they do it very efficiently, extremely efficiently. Yep, seized seized the moments. Uh, I like. I don't know. There's cool. I I liked. Uh, I liked um, Hober's boots. He had that kind of like space fleur de lis thing. It gave him a very uh, cavalier yeah. type of look. Um, mm-hmm. and him trying to catch up to where she's at and wa- waddling over to her <laughs> with his pants around his ankles to try to catch up with the kissing. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's, it's cute. It's cute. Got to take care of the body. Is, the spirit yeah. will follow. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I, I like the scene. I think it's very funny. Um, it, it's to what end? I guess is the question. Are we just trying to establish a deeper connection between Hober and Constant for future uh, trauma that they can both experience? Or Mule baby, Mule is baby, this gonna be? Yeah, that's where I'm kind of going. This it. is gonna be the one, Jim. I'm putting uh-huh. it all. I'll put all my all my. I'm doubling down on the mule baby, even though I think there's a better theory in the feedback. <laughs> I can't interfere. It's a canon event. I got to lose all my internet points on this mule baby. I, theory. I mean, look, there are ways to connect people deeply that don't involve procreation and they chose the one that does. So yeah, it's on the but table. it's, it's a pretty fucking reliable for sure. Old school. For sure. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Kind of thing. All right. Well, I'm going to say officially we're on womb watch here with Constant. I'm going to keep an eye on the situation. All right. Womb watch has begun. Uh, with day off planet, Dusk approaches Rue to resume their previous line of inquiry. I thought he meant the memory stuff. He actually meant the mural stuff, which we'll see later. Yep. Uh, after the sex, Hobart and Constant are going to share a bottle of wine but they are apprehended by Bell. Um, the idea, uh, the idea that there's like a spotlight going through the window of the spirit, and Hober's just there, full bare ass naked, just just hanging dong. I think is in front of Bell Rios is really funny. Uh-huh. It's the unspoken implication I think of that scene. Yeah, I mean he tried to cover it up, but I'm sure. Yeah, his pics will end up on the internet eventually. I like their, you know, that they uh, vow always to attend each other's assassinations or executions because it's it's worked out as dates so far. Yep, yep, that was pretty funny. Uh, there's a mention, you know, earlier about uh, this Hobermallow sort of being the rebel that I think it's Glaywin says like, "How's that for a, a rebel?" Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, it's Hobermallow. Now I think it's interesting how. You wonder how loyal Bell's going to be to the Empire in the face of this rebel. 
right? This ultimate uh, rebel Hober Mallow. I, I think he's going to have a lot of sense to talk and Glaywin's probably going to be cheerleading some of that stuff. Um, These are people we can work with and Day's going to be manifestly not. And... Well, and Bell is going to be, you know, he's going to be the deciding factor, right? Which way will Bell mm-hmm. go? Will he stay, remain loyal to his oath to empire by the letter of the law, but not in spirit? Will he remain loyal? It seems like he really likes Hobart, Hobart in a certain way. Like the uh-huh. contrast between him and Day, where it's like maybe Hober doesn't do or say the right things, but his heart's in the right place and he cares about people versus Day, who's very theatrical and regal looking, but he's rotten to the core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very interested in this new development, the proximity of these two characters. Uh, So Dusk and Rue go out to the mural. Dusk claims there's a hidden message in it and uses some new chroma to reactivate the old stuff. And a door through the mural opens to a corridor. What do you think about the robot man in the mural being turned into, like, I, I, I don't know, maybe that's just a wall disassembly, but I thought it was interesting that it turns into a skeleton. Um, which yeah, is was... something I always think of as very human. I I thought of this whole imagery as human. I I didn't conceive of it being a robot. Um, is there some kind of mostly because like... it has a brain, like a very human looking brain, and we I don't Dimmerzel. I guess we see that with Dimmerzel. Yeah, it's got all the structures. They're just all chrome, shiny and mm-hmm. chrome. I um I don't know. And there's it's, it's very interesting to hear how Dusk talked about the role like he spoke of as a big tragedy that and I, I like how how common is this view in the galaxy that these robots that we created these thinking sensitive beings um and then we betrayed them and all they wanted was personage all they wanted is to be considered people and we didn't didn't give that to them and the one of them found the way to override the the first law of robotics and then shit was on is mm-hmm. that can't be the widespread view of robots of the galaxy? Is that special Cleonic dynasty knowledge that he's only got because he's walked the walls and he's read the histories? And yeah, possibly. I, I was that. just shocked at how um, pro robot that take was. Like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, we had a good thing going and we fucked it up. Yeah. Is that Dimmerzel's influence? I wonder, that, like, now I'm looking at all of his memories, right? All of his Her thoughts. spin that, like, oh, mm-hmm. us robots were persecuted, and we only wanted the best for you, and you guys just wouldn't have it, and that's what a robot would say now, wouldn't it? I, I want to see what drove the first robot to kill the first human it killed. Uh, I think that could be... That could illuminate some things. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you had a particularly nasty emperor. Because the first person to die to was someone checking, was an emperor, trying to yeah. trying to push fifty items through the twelve item or less checkout lane. They just like, God damn it! <laughs> sure, yeah, humans won't respect anything. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to go back to a time when the empire was younger. I I don't know. I'm excited for next episode to to it's see also, some Dimmerzel centric stuff. Is there is there some is so. With the Scooby Doo nature of this, is there something a little too is there is is this a little too Zion from the Matrix where this is like an escape valve for this malcontented dusks to catch them in a trap? 
because like I just it's, it's everything's just so flattering to him. He's like, oh, only an mm-hmm. old chroma master. But he's like, you can tell that he's like feeling like he's a he's got his woman at his arm. He is Brandon Fraser in the fucking mummy, and he is about ready to go. Dun 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 dun. It's too mm-hmm. cute, right? Like this has I, got to. I mean, this could be specifically. So, so the thing that keeps nagging me is this freaking mirror and i know like this is a silo thing but it's also you have to remember that everything in the palace is monitored everything except for you know those under those maintenance tunnels or whatever which are then also monitors right scrambler yeah and they're talking so openly rue and sarith about their plans in their chambers Mm. which are controlled by empire I have to wonder if this is a Demerzel plot to trap Rue down here. They talk about it as a prison. Uh, so she's got to know that she is what she is plotting with Dusk here about his memories. This this could be a trap for her and set specifically by Demerzel because she knows what kind of person Dusk is. He's going to notice these things, right? The thing is, now that I know that they have a scrambler, I just assume that every time we see them talking to private quarters, they have it activated. Although I wish to show had a convention where they there was like they like the way they did. There was a, you started the scene with a little bit of a wah wah. There's a subtitled until you go inside the bubble because mm-hmm. I, I just yeah I, I feel like that would be a real wah wah moment if it's like. Oh, we had your quarters bugged, you dumbasses, and you came all the way to Trantor to conspire in the yeah, room next door. It's like, yeah, I, that that's, that doesn't feel super clever. Whereas, like this thing, but being they're talking like, everywhere, right? I mean, they're like Dusk and Rue are talking openly next to the mural. This is about true. this stuff. It's it's not just <laughs> in their quarters. So like, unless it's something physically on her that is causing you know some privacy to happen, I. But what 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 do you think about my idea of like this is a dusk this is a wayward dust trap that there is like breadcrumbs yeah. for the different phases of the empire that Dimmerzel can kind of shunt them if they're if they're going into dangerous things and then mm-hmm. you know because I, I I do think I if I were dusk I would shit myself when Cleon the first came up and be like oh you want answers do you like oh my god they expected me mm-hmm. this is not something that I broke into. And yeah. I'm not, this is, this, this is, I'm not off the rails. I'm very much on them. That's what it felt That's like to scary. me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it removes all of his own agency, right? <laughs> it's just right. like revealed how many other dusts have, have bounced up with fresh chroma to this door handle and thought, aha, I've got mm-hmm. the answer. And how many times has this played over the course of, of uh, Cleonic history? Yeah, it's possible it's that. I also like the Dimmerzel, you know, trapping Rue down here angle because it's uh, kind of what they're trying to do, which is drive wedges between, uh, isolate and drive wedges between the Cleons. Oh. She could be doing the same with Sarath. Like, leave Sarath alone on this planet with Empire. Uh, she's all, that, yeah, truly uh, I alone. Mean, yeah. Talk about terrifying. Mm-hmm. But Day's off the planet, and so is she. She's not off the planet. Oh no, she's with she's with uh, Day. They're en route to Trantor, or I mean, sorry, Terminus. No, Dawn and her are banging in the tunnels. Oh, I thought you said Day. I thought you said that, that she's still alone here. With you. So I don't think she's terrified to be alone with Dawn. Do you? I think she would be terrified to be alone in Empire by herself, just in general. Hmm. Certainly a scarier okay. position than having the backup of Rue and whatever that other dude is it feels like it's an evenly numbered match now that they got day out of the picture 
So I thought it was like uh-huh. less, yeah, yeah. less attention. Oh, what I'm saying right. is, if this is a plan to trap Rue down there in in some prison, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, right, right, right. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see what it's all about. Um, Sarah and Dawn meet in the maintenance tunnels. He tells her he's been thinking about her proposal, and they go into a room to get it on after Dawn reverses his sterility. He hands her the remanning device. It does look like it hurt, but, you know, nanites are on it. Let me ask you this. He's Working perfectly aware... now, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it looked like it really hurt. I I wouldn't want to do it. But isn't also, it, it's I don't significant gonna... that the, now the nanites are working. Like, this would be, from an Empire's perspective, uh, c- yeah. convenient for them not to work, but now they're working perfectly. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, does Don not know he's being monitored in these tunnels? Didn't Dusk like straight up tell him, "I saw you in the tunnels" because we have the Shadow Master or whatever down there. Wait, he doesn't seem worried that... about that at all, right? Uh, but those were different tunnels, I think. That was just the underbelly of Trantor versus this is like the heat exchanger, and this is like one place that doesn't have monitors or at least that's what they oh, tell the, I, the the Cleons yeah I don't I don't know that I buy that um, they're using all the same effects they're using well at some you know, point if the show keeps telling us that there's and there's no way to be detected and there's always a way to be detected then I don't know what what you know you, that that can that can go to weird you know places the same as having ability to clone people and transfer consciousness and uh, regenerate from death like you can like goddamn at some point I gotta trust the things you're telling me uh, sure I agree with that uh, from a narrative point of view but to your point I if you're asking me do I think that no one knows what the hell Sarath and Dawn are doing down there no I don't think that's true I think the Dimmerzel has to have at least some inkling yeah uh, I would think so I'm surprised Dawn isn't more worried about that uh, also do the clones get regular physicals because surely a physical would reveal the procedure he does here i would think that like within seconds of doing uh a body scan in Mm -hmm. their royal suites that they would yes see the numerous yeah that that would be a difference that the thing would highlight like oh your vas deference is regenerated huh right that's not natural um Um, must be a nanite mistake yeah, this seems extraordinarily risky, but he's a uh, young and dumb. Well, the other thing is like horny. We also so. know that he could have his memory audited by his elders at a moment's notice. Like if there's sure. one more, like in fact, we just had a terrorist plot. They're like they could maximally suspect everybody all over again, and he would be completely fucked. But I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a level of impetuousness about day or dawn that I guess I'd get, but Dusk has it too. Cause like the last time we saw Dusk, he's like, we can't do anything unless we have leverage. Mm-hmm. I guess he's trying to find leverage and he's what he says is this the best time to go looking for it when day's gone, all that stuff tracks. But, um, yeah, for Don, I guess it's the best time to get with Sarah, but it's still risky. You're listening to Foundation and Podcast. We'll be right back.
And we're back. Respect and enjoy the podcast. So I guess the whole explanation is the fact that Day is gone. That's why it's like, yes, they might be nervous about the memory audits. That's why they've been saying it's so dangerous. But they have a window of opportunity where they think that they can go whole hog. In fact, Dawn is the master of the Empire in terms of Trantor Mm -hmm. right now. So this is they are taking a calculated gambit to do a whole bunch of shit that they hopefully will never find out about. While he's away. Does Don have the authority to order his memories uh, restored? Or or order Dusk's memories erased? I mean, when someone says Trantor is yours, I feel like anything that's confined to the planet would Uh would be fair game. I would think so. Yeah, big opportunity. Let's use it. But on the, the bigger moves you make, the more chances you've got the archivist like sending a hyperspace signal today to check it. And it's like, so you probably have a little bit of like breaks. It's not all gas. You got to have some breaks. Sure. Uh, no breaks on the rest of this episode, I got to say. Uh, Dusk and Rue reach a stairwell and follow it down. We're going to start jumping back and forth here pretty soon um, after the... I- I like that line about feel like a stranger in my own home. It's like, imagine if you Mm -hmm. went and you saw there's a room you'd never notice in your basement and you open it up and there's like a whole other house with evidence of people living. That would be such a weird feeling. Yeah. This strikes me as like barbarian. That movie. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I know that's an Airbnb or whatever, but if it were your own house and you discovered that, I would be even terrified. Yeah, like I don't know that that, that that's there's a there's a feel, but like it it makes the hair stand up in the back of your head just to think about it. Uh huh, for sure. All right, Salvor uses her discs uh, inside her cell to destroy the stone ceiling. Gail wakes to find herself part of a ceremony, and she's told by Tellum about how she stole the bodies of various children over the ages, and now she's going to do it to Gail. This is completely fucked, man. I I thought. I couldn't hate tell him more in every episode they reveal another wrinkle in her psyche that just makes me despise her a little bit more it's also the self delusions that Uh she's telling herself like she's not I don't think she's she's facing it at all I don't think she's facing the awfulness of what she's doing at all I think she's being pretty cowardly here Um, and I also really wonder how much she's straight bullshitting too because when she starts saying like a century ago, I felt you. That's why you started. And, and Gail's, Gail's like, no, wait a second. I was studying mathematics because of it. And I went to do, I solved the Braxis thing on my, where are you at on that? Do you really believe that all this was set in place by Tellum or was it Harry? Was it Gail? I don't know. Uh... Because like, if you, if you believe it's gay, like, uh, cause like, I think you're supposed to believe it's Harry. Harry set all this in motion. It could sure. have been anybody, but it was Gail. And he set the thing in motion. So now tell him saying, well, no, actually, I did it. I don't know who to believe or if I believe I it either. was just Gail or if it's both. Yeah, because I don't know how much psychohistory accounts for this. I, I don't know if if the cited or operate the metallics are operating outside of that or not because they're outliers so like mm-hmm. it is possible that they're both they're both true they're both correct yeah i couldn't tell you 
The other thing I question is how much of what's happening here is necessary and how much of it was meaningless ritual. Like they do the ribbon cutting ceremony and they tie one to her wrist or tie one to her. They have the tuning mirrors. They have the uh, mini harmonicas. They have the set. Like how much of this is actually required to do this and how much of it is just like foundation religion? Because I'm always looking for parallels mm-hmm. here, you know. How much of it is this sure. just the works part and how much of it is poly with fireworks and holograms? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I assume they don't have to hold hands to make this connection, but that just feels like a power play by... Yeah, it's a... It's, by tell them. It's, it's, it's an extra it's, it's violation. symbolic to the crowd. Uh, and, 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 and yeah, stripping of personhood from the victim here, it's... Yeah, it's fucked up. It's entirely, man. It was chilling. This is an extremely chilling bit of writing. Yeah. That, like, I heard that little girl for several years, like a voice at the bottom of the well. And then when she, like, puts her hand on Gales and says, I'll still listen to I still listen for her just like I'll listen for you. What the yeah. fuck? I mean, this is like... What is that, the, the first Jordan Peele movie? Um, you know, like, being down in the deep place. Oh, Get Out? Yeah. Get Out, yes. Get Out. It's like the way that they always uh, uh, envision Kahlua down there, like sunk in the sunken place, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of horrific experience they portray it. Or I guess another one is like the end of being John Malkovich, which I always found exceptionally chilling too. This mm-hmm. idea of just being stuck, uh, like as a as a passenger in someone else's in your body. Yeah, it's it can't be a good feeling. It has to be torturous. And the thing that gets the thing that really makes me hate tell him even more about this is the hypocrisy, like and the lies, just the blatant lying. Like, what is this if not cited killing cited? What what is it if not if banishing someone to nothingness in their own mind is not killing them? What is it? Was well, her idea of like, well, sure, we're breaking this rule, but as little as possible because only I get to do it. And it's also yet yeah, it's I mean, yeah, Obi-Wan another... Kenobi shit. Like, oh, well, we're not actually killing the side. We're just, you know, but the other thing it does taking is their it's, mind it's, from them. It's yet another genetic dynasty. It's yet another eternal vault copy of Harry. It's yet another <laughs> yeah. singular person trying to keep their True. consciousness going and influencing past the time where they should have they mm-hmm. should have uh, died. Which let me throw this out there. Mm-hmm. Tell them's totally the mule, right? I mean, now that we know she can transfer consciousnesses, and I assume this is not going to take with Gale. Like, Salvor's going to bust, like, Kool-Aid Man her way in and disrupt this whole thing, and she'll be looking for another host down the line 130 years from now. 150, Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, no, I... So last week, someone someone called that, like, out of the... Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, I, I think Talib's totally the mule. Was it because what is 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 a piece of feedback that we read too? I think it was uh, somebody from New York. Um, okay. Well, I'm on that theory now, hundred um, percent. But yeah, no, I that like I and I think that he was thinking of it from, um, you know, like a mental projection angle. But like, no, mm-hmm. I don't know who she's going to transfer her body into. But it does seem like the reason she doesn't look like herself is because she's just going to take someone else's body. I think it's going to be Josiah, which is going to be deeply fucked and sad. But the blue eyes. No, I think, I think, well, she's got 150 
gears to get to the mule body, right? But those blue eyes are enact. Wait, they're no, those are Thespian eyes. And the thing about that is like those mm-hmm. are coded to be outer worlds and therefore foundation spaces. And I think mm-hmm. what if, if if this is all true, you're supposed to. I think the implication is that Tellum is going to find a way to worm her way within the 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 organs of the foundation to where she can take over someone with the Thespian body. Or I guess she can just call yep. them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I that's my was my first thought too is that it's going to be the little kid, but then I mm-hmm. was thinking, oh, it's got to actually. But you're right. There's also quite a bit of time. We have time for a body or two. Body, yeah, yeah, several bodies. Yeah, uh, but I do think it would be pretty fucked up to take this kid's body, uh, to to demonstrate, you know, on screen what she has just told us. I think it's one thing to know it; it's another thing to see it. So I don't know, man. Not like and tell him. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, she's like I said, I liked her for because I've associated her with positive things from other things I've seen her in. I think she's a very warm, caring grandmother figure. Uh nope, not anymore. <laughs> it's that's she's just <laughs> yeah. a fucking monster. She she's a versatile actor, is what she is. And she's doing yeah. a hell of a job making me hate the character. It's Fred from Newborough, New York. He's the one that sent in the idea that the 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 mule could be Tellum. And uh, I think okay. again, nothing proven, but boy, that theory's got long legs after this week. Mm-hmm. Let's go back over to Don, who says he doesn't want Day raising his child after him and Sarah have just potentially created one. So Sarah suggests they destroy his clones. And he says, well, that'd be tough. And then Demerzel would stop it anyway. And Sarah asks, who programmed Demerzel? <laughs> and, Day- and Don's response is, "She's always, she will always be well, here as she always has been. He doesn't say that, but he might as well, right? This is what I want. This is what I was waiting to talk about, though. Is this evidence that this is something that was removed from dusk and Day and Dawn doesn't know yet? Because he doesn't say she's yeah. all. It's a, it's like his memory had because like obviously Goyer's not an idiot. If there was a if there was an implication that that was a hole, the perfect thing to do is be have him run back and bookends the episode. It'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. They, that's a deliberate choice not to have him d- do that. So I just don't think he realizes. Sure. Not with you. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to pin down Don in this scene. He man, he just he fell as hard as possible for Sarath here. Like this conversation about day rearing his child is about nine months premature. <laughs> are they, are they gonna, but it's immediate. Yeah. Like they're just, he just, he just pulled out of her and now he's already like, I don't want day to raise my kid. Right. Jesus right. Christ, we... man. It's a, not, it would have been yeah. nice to know that first. And B, give it some time to think about it. Yeah. I guess getting Trantor has gone to his head. Like he's one of those kids. It's like you know he gets a little. He's just gonna fling, fling completely out of control. But but uh-huh. but is there any implication that they are fucking with their memories? Like are they gonna like? Would you be surprised if like deep in episode nine, early in episode ten, that like Sarath reveals that in advance of their coming that the they sent the Handman there to like incept. Uh, the desire to be with Sarath into day or dawn. I felt like they were telling this story pretty straightforward, but 
I'm open to the possibility of there's being been so many like off. I said there's been a story of like Empire thinking that their technology is going to save them and like they're wrong mm-hmm. in every front they don't have the edge in speed they don't have the edge in weapons they don't have the edge in uh, control mechanisms like memory t- technology and things like that they can't control their fucking propaganda streams that ends up being a huge humiliation for them nothing is just working the way it should so like the idea if you carry the the memory that's like one of the reasons that the empire has been able to be unbroken they have you know the ultimate control over what people think um if that's no longer true because it is a bit i mean day dawn's always been a little bit of romantic though right oh yeah i mean we saw what happened last season with him in the like if you can make him think that you care for him as an individual like that's Mm -hmm. all he wants man um so maybe they just they just know how yeah, he wants the to live a life. Wired. Right? Yeah. Like like Dusk says, uh young men they want to live a life. Well, uh, I wonder the other thing is like what if what if Cloud Dominion has for decades been quietly collecting ex Gossamer Court uh participants and reclaiming their memories so they can build like a personality portfolio of all the Cleons and know exactly hmm. what buttons to push. That's not what well, that, that only makes sense. Perfect clones. I feel like these, you know, uh, drifted clones don't work. That doesn't work as well on them. It also would imply that Cloud Dominion's been trying to undermine Empire since before the assassination, which yeah, I would actually believe. I mean, they've been telling yeah, the story I could of the whole galaxy I don't know trying they've to told nibble. Us that. But, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. saying it could be an interesting reveal. If like we've actually mm-hmm. been planning for decades, your assassination just accelerated the plan or something. It, I, I find it hard to believe that Demerzel would not know what's going on here. Um, if Rue can take one look at Sarath giving eyes to Dawn during a ceremony or whatever, and realize that she's crossing lines with him, Demerzel could do the same, right? Unless you can't because she's a robot. That'd be the only possibly because she's 13. She has 13,000 years of experience. Yeah. But if she just like can't get subtleties of human emotion, I do find that hard to believe, though. Me too. So I'm wondering if there isn't a reveal here that Demerzel is letting certain things happen, is guiding, kind of guiding everybody's hand here behind the scenes. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out, but some. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what be, they're right? that's the story they're telling is that Demerzel yeah. is controlling everything. If they subvert it now, it'd have to be a doozy. So, so the question becomes like, what, what is the reason for Demerzel letting this happen? She's letting Dawn hook up with Sarah. Well, that's the thing is like I don't think she back. liked the the all the looks on her face. From the time Day says I'm t- taken out and I'm going to tra- uh, the terminus is yeah. her having a robotic cow. Um, mm-hmm. She is glowering at the galaxy. She is got this like weird face. She's making these weird concerned faces. And it also like these seasons seem to be kind of rhythmic, right? Like around this point of last season, Day was going to walk the spiral. Now mm-hmm. Day's leaving Trantor again. Uh, and like everything kind of like put maximum pressure on Dimrazil towards the end of last season. Now, one of this is where she starts seeing like shit. I'm going to have to probably decant two, uh, three of these fuckers, if not all three of them. And we know that that's uh-huh. not something that she does cost free. Like yeah. killing a, a Cleon hurts her. Mm-hmm. 
So it could be just that, that she's like, yeah, this is, I don't like this. Uh, but also I can't interfere like this blatantly. I, yeah. I, I don't know what she's thinking. Certainly interesting. Guess we'll have to find out, find out next week. Yeah. So there's a quick sequence at the end here, uh, which kind of brings everything together. It's a day going down to terminus uh, or preparing to, I guess dusk, finding a copy of Cleon the first that welcomes him to a prison and Don realizing that the clones are just puppets and Dimmerzel is Cleon's true heir, his forever empress or perhaps the last empress as is the title of this episode. Yeah. I noticed that there, I don't know if this is something intentionally, but they kept on zooming in on Dimmerzel's face and I noticed in her, you could see reflections in her eyes and there was like three bars that could just be like the way the window was lining up. She's looking out of, but like if they're trying to tell something about what's important to her. And again, I don't, I don't know if this is a Galadriel situation where it's like Peter Jackson strung up all the Christmas lights to make it look like she was shining. Or if this is just an accident of the set, but like, I thought it was significant that as you pan out and they're wondering like, you know, what is important to her? You've got this three kind of like bars in her eye representing the three the, rules, the three laws. The, ooh, fuck. I was going with the Cleons, but oh, you know, they yeah. do have three of them, sums of bitches with their laws too, don't they? It's true, mm. but we know she's been reprogrammed. Who reprogrammed her? That's a that's also a question. What many things can a chamber be? Like this chamber has been many things over the years, but at first it was a prison. So okay, she's the last imprisoned robot. Mm-hmm. Then what's the next thing the room becomes? A garage, uh, a workshop, sure. storage room. A play, when a your kids move room. out, you know, you leave it the same for a while. But then it becomes your office, right? Right. Or, I don't know, a sex room. <laughs> I'm sure that's what Dusty. Sure he's just like, oh my uh, god, a place in the castle I've never fucked in. Right. Call up the gospel core. Here. We need we need three more three more people. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah. I don't know. I just wondered, like, yeah, what all? And now, and why does Dimmerzel not? Why she's taking great lengths to hide this, but also a visual clue. So, like, yeah, why? Why not just destroy this Dawn, or dust down here? I think. Why not fill this with, you know, Duracrete or whatever the science fiction material they would call it is? Like, why? Why leave it? What What is important about this chamber? That none of the emperors can know about it, and yet it's important for enough for, uh, enough for. Is this where distributed consciousness lives? I was I was wondering. Yeah, could be that. Ooh. Um, it it could be this is where a true remaining copy of Cleon the First exists. Hmm. Maybe there is no drift in this version of him. I don't know. So that would imply uh, it seemed, that it seems just like a memory recreation, like the Dimmerzel's allowing the. I, I also I wonder uh-huh. if like you're going to find out that Cleon discovered psychohistory, or because you know the one thing they play is psychohistory is like, well, if Harry hadn't invented it, somebody would have. What if the Emperor had independently arrived at it hundreds of years before and was start and did the Cleonic dynasty with Dimmerzel running it as a deliberate attempt to not go through with that wouldn't that be interesting if he's got like a primitive version it's not quite Mm -hmm. correct Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, I don't know, man. The possibilities yeah. here are endless. <laughs> yeah. I just really want to see the next episode. All right, well, do you have anything else you want to talk about in this episode? I don't think so. If you'd like to send us feedback, it's real easy to do so. Foundation at baldmove.com. All right, first email is Patty. It says, there's been some discussion about why the vault asked for an individual in Hober Mallow, and you're both speculating the vault Harry must know who is on Terminus at the time. Like, he has some sort of register, and if it wasn't Hobor, it would be someone else, so it's not really about psychohistory needing an individual. I think, though, uh, you might have forgotten that this only happens after the other Harry hears Gale recount her vision of the mule, which specifically references Hober Mallow. It's interesting. So this came, like, literally an hour after we recorded the last podcast. Patty got this, like, two, three weeks ago. So Nice. Patty, like Polly before him, really connected with Harry and what he's doing with Prime Radiant. Uh, Al Chalant says a few days after watching last week's episode this has begun to sink in is Harry maybe disguising a personal revenge plot on Empire with a psycho history plan the way he's always been so obsessed with the plan lends to this it's a bit of fun to question the plan to save the universe may be influenced by some not so noble intentions um, how much of psycho history is Harry genuinely trying to help the galaxy and how much of it is him trying to stick it to the Empire who he blames for killing his wife yeah I think it's a fair question after seeing uh, the episode with Yana. Uh, I couldn't tell you, but I'm sure it's not 100% pure in either direction. My take is anyone could have invented psycho history when the potential, when it turned to become Harry is when his, his wife died. Because I don't mm. think Harry with his wife alive finds the courage of convictions to dedicate yeah. himself the way he has to psychohistory. So it's like uh-huh. So Harry himself being part of psychohistory could be one of millions of people yeah. working on this, but he's the one that was galvanized at the right time, the the right place with the right tweak from the emperor to make him committed. Yep, that makes sense. Eric in Portland says during Harry's flashback to university when he's arguing the proctor, she said that we're all empire. Do you think Demerzel has a similar definition of empire? So this is like a Bell Riosian read where empire is the people rather than the Lee Pace. Which do you think Demerzel? Yeah, I think favors? empire is is the is Cleon the first in Demerzel's mind. My favored approach is that Demerzel sees the Empire as humanity and the best way to save or advance humanity. Interesting. Um, so, because I've always thought it interesting that no matter who asks, whether it's the other Cleon, she steadfastly says, I am loyal to Empire, which is the neatest way to ever dodge a question of loyalty. Because it's like, well, fuck, man. Sure. Depending on how you define Empire. Yeah, it lets, it lets the person on the other end of that define it for themselves um not and i don't know in my mind her definition of empire is cleon the first but we'll see dominic says dimmerzel shifting from three laws to one has some implications for instance was that what started the robot war hearing something like robot war when you know that one of the three laws was not it was to not harm humans implies something changed for the war to happen which we got confirmation this episode we mm-hmm. don't know why or what but we do know that's the the first shot in the war. Uh, were the three laws of robots changed to one law? And was that law something like kill all humans? Was Cleon able to save Dimmerzel for his own plans because it was discovered that one could change the one law and that law uh, was changed to serve empire? What do you think? Um, I don't 
like the ones for one of it like that oh the robots to win the war rewrote their laws with one war with one law kill all humans the empire is able to subvert by be loyal to empire like mm-hmm. I feel like Demerzel's more like could be a many different overlapping laws it's possible um but I mean it's it's self-evident that you at some point all the robots had to be overwritten with new laws because they wouldn't fight humanity otherwise right yeah I, I, I wonder what the circumstances leading to breaking that law in the first place the, the first law were that's the most interesting thing to me about this because um, we see how Dimmerzel acts we know that she has overwritten those laws like, otherwise she couldn't snap Dawn's neck right like mm-hmm. and she herself says like I, I only follow one law now it's Empire um and Zephyr Hylema saying that that cost her a lot killing someone for uh-huh. um, on the orders of another human and no less. It could be an implication that these laws are so hard to change that like the Empire is only able to institute one in its place, which is loyalty for the Empire. Um, yeah, that doesn't. Also, Dusk said something interesting that not only did human fight robot, but robot fought robot, implying that there were loyalist robots that even mm-hmm. after all the bullshit still stayed true to their loyalty to humanity. Is Dimmerzel from that side or the antagonist side? That's a fair question. We don't really know. Uh, the thing that's striking me about this, and we know how Foundation kind of loves its. Uh, thematic consistency um and transferring that to different characters the 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 idea of like the cleonic dynasty being uh degraded and falling apart could be a way that they go with these robot laws as well mm. like mm. they were corrupted somehow what's the corrupting influence here well it's genetics in the cleons it's the laws in the robots I wonder how much they're going to lean into those thematic similarities. I mean, it seems like they're leaning into a lot of these, like uh, one oh, person yeah. copying themselves. So it's like, yeah, there's. A, it seems like there's a lot of kind of fractal. They like those storytelling echoes. here. Yeah. I do too. No, it's super. Uh-huh, if too. you can pull it off, it's it's super rich. To, no matter level of zoom or remove, it always kind of telling the same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan asks, from a strictly Darwinian selfish gene perspective, should it not matter to Dawn or Day which of them fertilizes the queen's eggs unless there's some significant genetic drift between <laughs> just the two of them in one generation? Well, we know that's the case. Like, True. We opened the season with Dawn, Day not being able to instinctually be in sync and having to learn those things by rote and talk about the extensive genetic damage that they repaired, which... Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, if the extensive damage was repaired, is there minor? Are there still minor differences? And they're all obsessed with individuating now. So, like, yeah, I think it matters. <laughs> Even if they're 99.9% identical, I do think it matters today. And and like he said this episode, and you didn't have the benefit of watching this, of course. But, like, there's a lot of nature versus nurture. I don't want this asshole, even if it's my genes, I don't want him spreading his crazy bull reactionary bullshit to my kid sure yeah i'm with you i think he would be offended by that regardless of their genetic similarity yeah uh matt from alberta says the answer to how empire knows that 10 percent of the spacer population is the same answer it always is in foundation math 
the spacers really need the spice, uh, then presumably there is a recommended dosage. Dosage. The spacers ask for enough spice to sustain, say, 50,000 individuals. The empire sets the tithe to 5,000. The population goes up, then a requested delivery goes up, and the tithe does too. I'm sure they could mess with the numbers somehow, but when you're delivering essential supplies, much can be gleaned from the amount over, uh, used over a specific time period. Yeah, this is true. Um, that's a perfect explanation. Um, and you, they could probably juke the stats a bit to hide you know a couple hundred individuals here and there but nothing that would Mm -hmm. make them able to rebel against the empire at scale like they they couldn't just save up like a hundred years worth or whatever sure um although could they like if they decided to that's what i'm saying like if they're just self-reporting um what like like if if, two sets of books or if the species just like okay we're gonna half of us are gonna voluntarily commit suicide so we can stockpile a year's supply for the other half to fight for a war of independence (laughs) I mean they have to trust that they can discover a way to manufacture their own opalisk in the meantime yeah otherwise they're just they're killing themselves did you realize that that's what Bell Rios was mining at the slave facility? Not until I heard facility. Goyer talk about it on the podcast. That's one of the things that I missed, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice little connection. That uh, mm-hmm. circle, circle, of, circle of bondage. Jin from North Virginia says, this is a whole take on that uh, Bhagavad Gita thing. Um, you know, those books that uh, the Imperial Informer showed the Glewin. Mm-hmm. Um she had some extra commentary. She goes on and explains it, which we talked about that in a feedback a couple weeks ago. But it's basically you have this prince, Arjuna. He gets into debate before this big battle with this deity, Krishna, uh, who pauses time at the precipice of battle and they debate the justness of the situation. And eventually, Krishna convinces Arjuna that your role is that of a warrior and you have a sacred duty, your dharma, is to be a warrior and you have this role that you're duty bound to play. So. Uh, Jin continues and says, what I find intriguing is that uh, this Gita addresses themes that the whole show is touching on. How much free will does any one of us have? How much are we just caught up in the flow of events? I find that Harry Seldon is kind of proselytizing what Krishna is getting at in the Gita. A long arc of history that what is and individual humans don't have much of an impact on it. I don't know how much I believe that, but as someone who has studied the Gita a bit, I find an interesting parallel with the show. Hinduism is the third largest religion in 2023 at a time when the top one, Christianity, is on the decline. It would make sense that a future humanity would be heavily influenced by something like the Gita. Um, as a side note, I was curious if Asimov had ever read or admired the, sh- the book. I couldn't find anything, so maybe the conceit of it, uh, the TV show writers, but Eastern philosophy was popular in the 50s and 60s among nerdy academic types, so my guess is that he must have. Probably. Probably. Um, I think it's interesting you talk about the the religions of the future. That's something that like over the course of like hundreds of years, no one knows what the hell is going to come out of this like increasing secularosity. Uh, you know the, the the all the upheaval we probably got ahead in the next century or so. We, we have like I think it's interesting to see what kind of religious blends come out. You know, like mm-hmm. Christianity itself was like a syncretized religion, like based on, you know, coming out of the, 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 uh, Judaism. So it's like, yeah, like what kind of weird hybrid of like Muslim Christianity and Hindu will come out in the 24th century? Who knows? 
but it's fascinating to think about. I thought it was going to be the Morbins, but I don't know. It's well, like that's what the that's the the dystopia future that the Expanse holds out for us. Uh, mm-hmm. That the Morbins are going to be the one to colonize the galaxy. Uh, good <laughs> they would have till Miller blew up their ship. Uh, it depends on how you feel about that that's that South Park episode. That's true. Miller single handedly uh, uh, reset the, all the. Re- Ever, everyone's religion back to the same starting point for colonizing the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, back to the Gita. We have this last conversation with Glaywin and Bell in episode seven, where it's pretty clear that they'll they defected a foundation if they thought it would do any good. Glaywin's ready to do it right then, and appears to be taking Arjun's place in the Gita, which essentially this seems wrong. Let's get out of here. Meanwhile, Bell has the longer view, like Krishna, where he's saying, if we take down the Empire, it's going to be so much worse. This is our role in this battle, and we have to let it play out. But in language of the Gita, Bell believes that his dharma, his duty, that is life, is to do what he has to do to minimize the harm to the extent that's possible. In Bell's mind, if he wasn't leading the battalion, someone else would be, and perhaps he can do it in a a way to minimize harm. As Krishna would say, if that's your dharma, you do that, and you can faithfully do it knowing that you're not offending God. We can infer that a large moral stain of fighting wars is on those who actually do have the power, i.e. the emperor. Uh, when the Gita first showed up in the show, I didn't think much about it. Now I think it's a clever roadmap to where these two characters will end up. It makes me think that no matter how hard I want them to defect the foundation, that's not where Bell is going to do the most good. But the writers could subvert that, I suppose. Yeah, I don't hmm. know. Is it possible that he would see his dharma as... Uh, protecting the empire and if the thing that's most in his way of doing that is empire himself that he should be empire (laughs) possibly I could see that interpretation I also wonder you know what kind of justifications he's going to do in terms of his dharma Um, like the next time he's given an order that he knows if he refuses, he will be, you know, pulled off, executed, and someone else will take his place if he's willing to just follow the orders blindly of Emperor, saying, well, I'll do better in the future. There's oh, one other... So many ways to think yeah. about that. There's one other interesting uh, facet Jen had here, which is Harry's name. She said she didn't uh, clock that it was spelled H-A-R-I, which is very much like the Hindu word Hari, uh, which means in Sanskrit, one who takes away sins, one who removes delusion, or one who shines a light into darkness, which obviously be very easy to see Harry seeing himself as that way. Um, This also is a, this, this Hari is also a synonym of Vishnu, which of the three Hindu deities is the one responsible for creation and shaping of the universe. Um, so yeah, if it wasn't spelled that name on purpose, going back to maybe Asimov's fascination mm. with Eastern Eastern religions, uh, what a coincidence, huh? Sure. All right, that does it for feedback this week. Uh, once again, that's foundationofbaldmove.com to get a chance to get your question read. Make sure you put in the subject line uh, the words Goyer, G-O-Y-E-R. If you have a question for the man himself, uh, that'll make it easier for me to find uh, in the weeks from now when we're having that conversation. Otherwise, if you'd like to find out what other things we're doing at Bald Move, uh, follow us on social media. We're at Bald Move pretty much everywhere except for TikTok. We're Baldest Move, at Baldest Move there. And finally, you can support what we're doing here at Bald Move. Get... Uh, uh, ad-free feeds and tons of bonus audio video content by going to support.baldmove.com that's going to do it for us this week 
Uh, cannot wait to see the Dimmer Cell Heavy Episode 9. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Respect and enjoy this podcast. Mm-hmm.